You're listening to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Lexington podcast. Take a moment to center yourself in this space and enjoy this week's sermon. My name is Chad Salyers. This morning's reading is Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may tread me in the very dirt, but still, like dust, I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns, with the certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Because I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise? that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I am a black ocean, leaping and wide. Welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream and hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. This was Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. In light of this month's theme here at our church, courage, I accepted the invitation to prepare a message on courage, but not courage alone, but courage to be disliked. Courage often has the tendency to wake us up, to cause us to become more attentive to what is happening within our surroundings. It sparks a flame within us that causes our person to do what may seem like the impossible. Yet courage is not assurance, nor is it the absence of fear. It can indeed be risky. And being disliked is part of assuming such a risk. It comes with the territory of courage. You might say, like many of our medicines, courage has a few side effects as well. It's one thing to applaud the person who builds up enough mental and moral strength to persevere. It is another when a person physically acts upon that newly found strength. The difference in the two 
The latter comes at a cost. The question then becomes, are you willing to pay it? We Unitarian Universalists are very much aware of the deep price of being disliked, aren't we? After all, we are the church whose principles often speak louder than singular creeds, causing discomfort to the neighboring other religious communities around us, whose words shock the most conservative of mindsets, whose actions on the front lines of injustice are hated by some, whose congregation is so bold to believe that science is real, black lives do matter, climate change is happening, women's bodies are theirs, love is love, no human is illegal. And by the way, I detected no lies in any of those. It takes a whole lot of courage to not only believe in what we do, but to act on what we believe in spite of the oppositional effect of being disliked. Moreover, if we are always concerned about what someone or some people think about our stance on issues that matter, we might as well get out of here, close up, cut the lights off, turn the camera off, we're done. We're not gonna get anything accomplished. What a waste of time and energy, right? Who wants to sit around and worry what people think about them? I, for one, have no time for that. It does cross my mind from time to time, of course. A flood of thoughts start to fill my brain. Will people actually respond to me if I respond in this way? Are they actually listening to what I have said? Will they assume something about me that is not true based on how I speak, how I dress? Here's a big one. Will they stereotype me because I am both brown and educated? And because of such, will I measure up? Hmm. It never ceases to amaze me that we humans tend to love ourselves more than others. Yet we care more about their opinion of us than we do our own. Maybe, just maybe, that's due to the fact we've been conditioned by society to live as others do, to strive for others' levels of success, to be as others have been or are, to have what they have, to stay in the comfort of the box. Is it entirely our fault if we try to be more like others around us? No, we evolved this way, didn't we? Fear of being judged, fear of being disliked, fear of starting a business, fear of standing in front of an audience, Fear of doing anything other than the ordinary. Fear of achieving our true potential. Our work as you use as a religious community calls us to encourage one another, to be bold and engaging the world around us, as well as what scares us internally. To give one another the confidence and heart to live as fully as possible, amen? Nevertheless, there will be times when we must question our beliefs. And when that happens, we should never hold back the courage to fulfill our mission based on how others feel about it. In fact, here's a little secret. What others think about us is none of our business. In today's society, many of us are drawn to social media. And with this comes additional pleasures, uh, uh, pressures, additional fear, it truly challenges our level of boldness. 
Everything we put out there on our pages and then present to the world has to be validated by other people. We can immediately see their responses, how many people support our views, based on the number of likes and emojis, comments and such. Otherwise, why do we do it? It used to be when I found that something didn't get the attention I thought it deserved, I would pump the brakes and only put out there what worked and not try something new or even offer a different opinion on uh, in opposition to whatever, namely politics. I began to realize that it was not so uncommon of me to speak or write only the friendly, the fuzzy, the warm, appropriate, politically correct things. As much of the time I wanted to do otherwise, I'm a UU. Long story short, I would eventually get off social media entirely because I found myself losing touch with me as I only exhibited a hint of what would not cause such a big stink on my media page, while in reality I was a completely different person. The biggest lesson I learned was this. It is not freedom to deny yourself the right to be you, even when the majority is firmly against it. Not only have I retained that lesson in life, I find that as a, a person of color, I am constantly reteaching myself that lesson. Unlike American Express, being a person of color is not accepted everywhere. Even in 2022, I do not have the freedoms to be as others are free to, without consequence. I cannot travel everywhere in Kentucky without consequence. I cannot speak freely everywhere as others are free to, without consequence. And safe spaces are sometimes non-existent especially when I often find myself being the only one in the room. What I will never do in spite of the reality I was born into is surrender the courage to survive anyway. And when I consider the idea of survival, having the courage to fight for a better world, I recall history. I think of one six-year-old Ruby Bridges, a tiny girl in her smart new uniform with white socks and white ribbons in her hair, flanked by four huge federal agents in their suits, on her way to change American history, on her way to integrate an all-white elementary school. When she was four years old, her parents, Avon and Lucille Bridges, moved to New Orleans, hoping for a better life in a bigger city. Her father got a job as a gas station attendant and her mother took night jobs to support their growing family. When Ruby was in kindergarten, she was one of the many black American students in New Orleans who were chosen to take a test determining whether or not she could attend a white school. It is said the test was written to be especially difficult so that black students in particular would have a hard time passing. The idea was that if all the black American children failed the test, New Orleans schools might be able to stay segregated for a while longer. Ruby lived just a mere five blocks from an all-white school, but attended kindergarten several miles away at an all-black segregated school. She was one of six black children in New Orleans to pass this test. And so on the morning of November 14th of 1960, federal marshals drove Ruby and her mother five blocks to her new school. 
While in the car, one of the agents explained that when they arrived at the school, two marshals would walk in front of Ruby and two would be behind her. Keep in mind, just three months before Bridges was born, the U.S. Supreme Court had issued the landmark Brown versus Board of Education ruling, outlawing segregation in schools nationwide. Six years later, though, states in the South were stubborn, refusing to act upon it, such as they did during slavery. Awaiting her at the school gates, nonetheless, was a phalanx of rapidly hostile protesters, mostly white parents and children, plus photographers and reporters, naturally. They yelled names and racial slurs, chanted and waved placards. One side read, all I want for Christmas is a clean white school. One woman held up a miniature coffin with a black doll in it. And as soon as Bridges entered the school, white parents pulled their own children out. All the teachers but one of them refused to teach while a black child was enrolled. Mrs. Barbara Henry from Boston, Massachusetts, for over a year would teach little Ruby alone as if she were teaching a whole class. A few days later, other white parents began bringing their children and the protests began to subside. Every morning as Bridges walked to school, one woman would threaten to poison her. And because of this, the US Marshals dispatched by President Eisenhower at the time, who were overseeing her safety, allowed Ruby to eat only the food that she brought from home. The Bridges family suffered greatly for their decision to send her to William France Elementary School. Her father lost his job. The grocery store the family shopped at would no longer serve them and let them shop there. And her grandparents who were sharecroppers all the way in Mississippi were turned off their land. As time progressed, more white families would send their children to the school despite the protest. A neighbor provided her father with a new job and local people began to babysit little Ruby and her siblings. People would come and watch the house as protectors and even walked behind the federal vehicle, uh, the marshal's car, on her trips to school in solidarity. Through all of that, Ruby cut through the hate with a fierce courage. You go, girl. I am sure that this six-year-old did not anticipate the world she'd encounter as a result of her courage. She just wanted to be educated after all. And furthermore, she was allowed to attend the school because she passed a test. She passed a test that was designed for her to fail. I can imagine the powerful conversations with mama and daddy, and then it might be the last time they saw their daughter at any given moment of any day. What is more troubling is that I was never taught this experience in school. I knew nothing of Ruby Bridges and this powerful history until mid-college revealed to me through a local church service. Yet another reason why education in our country needs extensive reform. And would you look at that, we've just experienced why it is so important that critical race experience be part of our everyday classrooms. Whether you've heard this story or not, it's courageous stories such as this that need to be heard and given their deserved attention if we want true progress. And beyond common sense, it's going to take people like us 
to rise up and say something. Rise up and do something. Amen? Amen. Can we say thank you, Ruby Bridges, now Ruby Bridges Hall, for your fine example of what courage looks like? I'll close with this. Throughout history, there have been great artists and leaders who were despised at their time, but have changed the world for the better. Their judgment was harsh and they were disliked by many. Some were even killed for it, yet they never gave up. And this will be the case for a lot of us as well. It gets me excited to think about all the power we possess, both as individuals, even more so as a body, despite all the people who continue to guzzle their haterade around us. The simple truth is we cannot expect everyone to get down and boogie with us you use, which is why we must allow others to be who they are and you be who you are. Have the courage to be disliked and be your real authentic self at all times. There is no other way forward. We got this, amen? amen. Blessed be. I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.ucl.org where you can find more information about our grounds, staff, and upcoming events. You can also subscribe to our e-news there and learn about our virtual service offerings. We'll see you next week.